0: KRCB FM Windsor Santa Rosa news arts ideas where you are on air at 91.1 90.9 streaming worldwide at krcb.org we're also on Comcast channels 961 and 202 it's 10 o'clock and it's time for percussion discussion Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to krcbfm and this evening's show on percussion discussion the show that focuses on drummers percussionists and all the instruments of rhythm that move every genre of music along my name is jim laveroni and i'll be your host for the next two hours tonight we have a very special show prepared for your listening pleasure I'll be playing a pre-recorded interview with the extremely talented and multi-gifted percussionist Arturo Rodriguez. Arturo is based in Seattle and shares his passion for percussion with the Pacific Northwest and beyond. An accomplished musician, author, and teacher, Rodriguez has performed worldwide, sharing the stage with music legends that include Tito Puente, Paul Horn, and Pete Escovito. Arturo has had several projects in the works, not the least of which include his own companies, Interact and Learn, drum and percussion classes and lessons. Interact and Learn offers self-study courses, workshops and public and private training for beginner through advanced students. Arturo has three books in his ethnic percussion series, and is also involved with Rhythm Ambassadors, created to bring cultural awareness, specifically the Latin culture, on American music. Rhythm Ambassadors also develops team building, mentoring, and teaching kids how to work together using music to facilitate the lesson. I had the privilege and honor of meeting and interviewing Arturo through a mutual acquaintance at the NAM conference. Held in Anaheim in January of this year. Now, NAM is the National Association of Music Merchants and is the not for profit association that promotes the pleasures and benefits of making music and strengthens the $17 billion global music products industry. The NAM Association and trade shows serve as a hub for people wanting to seek out the newest innovations in musical products. Recording technology, sound and lighting, and NAMS activities and programs are designed to promote music-making to people of all ages. I found Arturo to be clever, witty, down-to-earth, and extremely passionate about his music and musical roots. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with him and then accompany him through his generosity as he showed me the wonders of the NAM Conference. This interview tonight begins by asking Arturo about his family and the music scene in Seattle. In between segments of the interview, I plan on playing some of the songs prepared by some of Arturo's favorite artists and close friends, including Leif Todasek, Michael Shreve, Al Rowe, and Chano Dominguez. I'll also play some tunes from the recent Celebrate World music concert that was held in Seattle that Arturo performed on. I'm happy to now call Arturo a good friend and to now introduce you, the listeners, to this talented individual here tonight on Percussion Discussion.
1: My parents were uh, born in New York, of course. And back in the day, all those, everybody was immigrating. All the Latin people were immigrating to New York. And so uh, they were born in the Bronx, uh, lived there pretty much through their teens. Um, I uh, told you a little bit about my dad. You know, He came from uh, six kids, and uh, he was one of six, and he was the only boy. He was one of the youngest. And uh, his dad was old school, and basically he was... Uh, you know, you got to be a man. You got to go out there. You got to be able to take care of yourself and, and defend yourself. So he, my dad, was out in the street taking care of business. He was in, you know, for lack of better words, he was in gangs and, and raised in that culture. And he's and he kind of explained that culture to me, you know, saying, you know, we're family. You know, that you get, you know, we watch each other's back, and that's the way it is. And so, consequently, when he was 13 years old, he get got picked up by the authorities him and his sister and they gave him a choice and said well you can go to juvenile hall until you're 18 or you can leave this place and so that's when his parents sent him to puerto rico to live for his first time he's never been to puerto rico prior to that and it was like a whole different country a whole different world to him and uh the family took her in but didn't want anything to do with him so he was out on his own he stayed uh basically uh almost died, you know, trying to take care of himself, and uh, this, actually, this physician became really good friends with him, and basically, uh, liked my dad a lot, and set him up, found him a place to work, out uh, fishing boats, coming in and unloading fishing boats, and actually got him a place to live, and the place happened to be a a brothel, and so... (laughs) so uh my dad was telling me stories about that, that and he was like i goes like really dad he goes oh yeah and he said you know they were like they were taking care of me you know they were like like all my 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 you know they were watching me yeah, they made right. sure i was a little kid you know and they loved me and they and so you know they were teaching them the ways of the world and everything you know so it wasn't a bad situation i guess you know and uh uh so at that point um my grandfather had left New York I don't know if I explained what happened why he left New York mm, but yeah. I don't know if I should it's pretty pretty hardcore yeah yeah
0: gangs and killing well,
1: and well kind of like that yeah, yeah my yeah. my grandfather was you know my dad's father was a total and I never met him I mean it was, he yeah. was dead before I was I think I was a year old when he passed but according to my dad he was a real street guy and mm. used to carry a knife here and uh, supposedly uh, the neighborhood bully was in the bar and and uh, I guess my grandfather had it with him and and took him out and wow. basically everybody in the neighborhood didn't say anything because they were glad the guy was gone and the family picked up and left to California
0: sounds like the the Vito Corleone story from the Godfather
1: you know it was you know back in the day it was all kind of like those immigrants man they yeah. had it rough yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. and uh, so then my uh, grand father moved out to california my dad was able to at that point he's like okay well they're not in new york anymore i can leave and that's when he went to california out of at the same time actually my mom had you know my mom was raised uh two girls by her mother my grandmother um by herself you know her raising two girls in new york in the bronx she's yeah. a tough tough yeah. woman um and um I guess this guy like my mom, my mom said, okay, uh, my grandmother said, okay, it's time to get out of here, let's, uh, you know, pick up roots. So, at that time, I guess one of her cousins had already moved out about six months prior and kind of yeah. paved the way, yeah. so everybody started immigrating out of New York to California. So, my mom goes to school, um, she hates California, she can't stand it, and uh, her cousin who was there prior to that said, well, there's this guy, he just got off the boat, you know, from puerto rico you know blah 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 and my mom says oh really and they hooked up and it was just like chemistry and pow and uh my grandmother couldn't stand my dad my mom my mom you know and uh they had three kids by the time they were 21 and my dad was a hard-working person and um Really, uh, couldn't do more than you know raise this up. You know, we were like I said, I was I was raised in uh, East L.A. a place called Four Corners, which is a terrible neighborhood. I mean, uh, I can compare it to anywhere in 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 New York. You know, it's but you got to you got your percussion training, your your influence
0: from your dad and, yep. and your mom both. But but yep. you know because she was I mean, she's a
1: dancer. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, with your dad, um, he was self-taught
1: as well? Yep, my dad was self-taught.
0: And this was just something he picked up just, just to relieve tension? And yeah, Exactly. He, he never wanted to
1: be a musician? Well, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, deep down he really wanted to. Yeah. And he actually later on became a pretty successful musician. And because he was a businessman, um, he was starting to pave the way and starting to create a pretty big wave here in, in L.A. before he passed. Mm. And uh, it was too bad because he could have gotten pretty far. Well, he was really starting to make a name for himself. And, and just because he was... Was such a successful businessman, yeah. he knew how to negotiate and talk with business, yeah. and sell his wares, his products. So he was good at it. Um, but it was more for him. It was in the beginning. Was it was a it was a stress reliever. It was just an w- opportunity for him to work the day off and and just work work it out and just a creative platform for him so i used to play drums with him yeah and i did that for years and i looked forward to it it was just fun to do this was your time together with your dad Yeah, it was my time together with my dad and i i love my dad my dad was an amazing person
0: it sounds like your dad was your hero uh he
1: he was He is he is still is you know yeah he still is he's my my inspiration he uh he uh, I've learned. I learned so much just watching him. The way he negotiated with people. He was great with people. Amazing orator. Very intellectual. Voracious reader. He would. He had novels, and he would just crack them open and read, and everything from politics to science to. And he loved architecture because he was a designer. Um, I think I told you that uh, at, at, uh, he eventually got to the point where it's was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to get us, get us out of this neighborhood because yeah. people were dying in front of us, gunshots and all this stuff, and I was in fights all the time. And so uh, my dad went to night school, got a, 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 a drafting degree, and I, I think I mentioned at the time his, his professor was a guy named da, uh, Jess Samuels. And Jess Samuels was one of the original Tuskegee pilots mm-hmm. and um, was my mom used to tell me that my dad was like this guy hates me you know he's like always on top of me and you know he's, he, and he does Push never it. yeah pushing never, anything I do he's never happy with him. my mom was like because he wants to see you succeed he knows you can do better than that and so my dad graduated um, they be- ended up be- becoming best the best of friends they used to hang out and do things together um, and uh, for years and I knew Jess Jess was a great great person he was awesome and um, so my dad got this position at a place called Feldman Lighting Company I'm sure they're still around. They were one of the biggest lighting manufacturing companies, hundreds of employees. And he was one of 20 um, uh, draftsmen in the department. And at the end of the year, um, they, they approached him and said, well, you know, we'd like you to manage the department. And my dad said, well, you know, I think it's time for me to even take it up a step further. So he uh, wrote a small business plan up and went to the bank and took out a small business loan and started his own company. He knew he could succeed. He knew he had six to seed. He felt it in his, yeah. in his blood. My dad was a, an amazing entrepreneur. He was great with people. And uh, his employees, he had employees working for him for 25 years. And they were, like, loyal to him. My, my, my dad was amazing. My dad was, he was one of the most amazing people I've ever met on this planet. And I've met some pretty eccentric, amazing people. He was by far my my, my number one idol. He showed me so much, and taught me so much, and what the potential, the human potential. When he, when he died, he died young, 45, there was 2,500 people at his memorial. There were people standing outside trying to get in going, that's your dad? Let me tell you about your dad your dad was bah, 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 bah. everybody had a story about him Communicate. he communicates to me in other ways of course i mean yeah. like i said i do i do i do um, i do traditional music you know i play yeah. at ceremonies and i'm and i'm always trying to communicate you know to other in other dimensions for for lack of better word spirituality and all that stuff and and you know he's always sending me stuff i'm always hearing his communication I'm feeling it. I just don't. I miss his physical presence. Yes, yes, for yes. sure. But there's always communication. Yeah. Let's talk about this uh, music scene in
0: Seattle, as opposed to maybe New York, San Francisco. You've you've played elsewhere other than Seattle. oh yeah, oh you yeah. You've played everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what's the music scene like in Seattle? And you and I kind of talked yesterday off the record about um, music. The music's different. Music business is different now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's totally changed. Um, You know, first of all, uh, I mean, it's always been a real difficult market here in this country. You know, a lot of people have always had to go elsewhere to become, get some notoriety. And then all of a sudden, the the market or the business looks at them as a viable uh, component, right, Mm -hmm. to the business. And so it's always been rough. But it's even rougher now because um, uh, uh, economics, Mm -hmm. Um, the record labels are, I'm sure, have had to evolve and develop other ways and sources of making money you know the, with the dot coms mp3s um and uh, digital uh digital media all that stuff they had to rethink about how to make money so. so
0: some artists go to europe and elsewhere and get and get some notoriety then they come back and get the endorsements yes, from companies
1: yes pretty much exactly really? yeah that seems to be a a a, a, a uh, was was a real popular formula. The current formula, actually, which is a really, um, is taking off. And I think there's a. Of course, Dave Matthews was one of the pioneers of this. Is is uh, is to um, develop your own. Get your own business plan together. Uh-huh. Get your own uh, system. And so college circuits is, is a big thing. It's, it's developing, because uh, you, they're, 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 it's public radio. Right, ca- right. Campuses, so if you can make a connection and an alliance with the okay. c- college radio, then they can play your, your stuff. Okay. You know, you don't have to do the, yeah. the payola and all that stuff that yeah, you do yeah, and other yeah. stuff. Yeah. And they're more likely, and you can develop a relationship with college radio. And then if they play you on campus, then you can develop a relationship with the school and I so see. forth. So you can start developing these circuits. I see, and so a lot of people. So, some some artists have their own label too, right? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. you know, keep the uh, rights, the uh, publishing rights, and all that. To what, what does an endorsement do for you? If you have, let's say, you use, bops let's say, or, or Vic Firth sticks. What what does that do for you as an artist?
2: Does, uh,
1: it, does it do more for you, or does it do more for the company? Well, hopefully, it's both, right? It's, yeah. It has to be a, a mutual uh, benefit benefiting relationship. Uh, Uh, If you're playing a product that's well known, it gives you a little bit more credibility. Um, if you're in front of a lot of people it gives them an oppor- it gives the company themselves an opportunity to market their wares because you're out in front of people people see that you're playing this particular product and they'll go buy it and they'll go buy it cause because they, they like you because they like you exactly and that's, okay. that's 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 the allegiance right there it's between it's like that and and seattle you are you still finding work you're still finding viable work um today? yeah i'm still you know here and there it's 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 it's, it's it's, uh, you know, the history of Seattle is amazing. And we talked a briefly about that, you know. I mean, every, you know, the, just within the last couple of decades, you know, you have Pearl Jam and Nirvana, of course. But even prior to that, you had Quincy Jones who came from, uh, from here, Ray Charles, uh, Jimi Hendrix. And so uh, there's always been kind of a, a music buzz. And now it's kind of a depressed market, actually. It's oversaturated. The clubs are. The clubs have pitted the musicians against each other, kind of, what's usually musicians' fault. So you have an oversaturation of musicians who are getting pumped out by schools. They're excited about their skills. They want to go out and play for nothing or for beer. Yeah, you know, they just want to be showcased. They just want to be showcased. They just want to play. Yeah. And so, you know, you get you get a lot of that happening. So clubs and, and the restaurants and the venues that, that hire these people, musicians, they're just like, well, why do I need to hire you when I can hire him for nothing? For, nothing? for a beer. For, yeah, exactly. It's not going to cost me anything, and they're going to bring other people to my establishment. So it's funny how that's it's totally changed. I remember back in the day, you know, clubs actually used to have to pay bands to come in or groups to come in because they were the clubs themselves were doing the marketing to to create an establishment that had live music, and it was up for it was not up to the musicians to bring people now that's totally turned on its head you know the clubs go well what's your mailing list like how many people can you bring into my establishment so they don't have to pay anything in marketing the bottom line is that dollar it's the dollar it's still not the art. It's still, and right. we
0: and we talked yesterday about the art
1: form in Europe and in uh, Africa. That it's the art. Well, in, in most, in you see, the one thing that I realized in Europe, which was just blew me away when I was out there and and doing music, they really, um, they really value art for the sake of art. You know, they they realize that. The reflection of a culture or society is the strength of their art. If a culture or society has really good art, it reflects the depth and culture of the society. And they know that. Historically, that's the way it's always been. Um, so they value art. You know, it's like it doesn't matter who you are, you, you, or you know, it's like if you're somebody on the street and you can really play it. It's like, wow, what's the inspiration behind that? And they get behind that. It's not like, well, what are you driving? And who are you? Who endorses you? Who endorses you? How much <laughs> money do you make? Which is what this society is all about. Even though, even though
0: this society knows that. Or, or do we recognize that that a,
1: a, a civilization is a reflection of the art? Do we recognize that in, in America? I don't think so. Don't think so. No, there's uh, there's uh, you know, and that that it's 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 a it's a more of uh, uh, what's the word. Uh, you know, it's notoriety is yeah. everything here. Notoriety is everything. You You give, can see it at this show. You can see it at the show. There's somebody talked about one time who was a great illustration. This guy was about sales. He goes, you know, you can take this grapefruit and you and you videotape this grapefruit, you put it on TV, and you and you and, and then all of a sudden, you know, people start making that connection with this grapefruit and they go, Wow, isn't that the grapefruit that was on TV? That's the one. <laughs> and it's the power of that TV, right? You know, it does that. Yeah. You know, yeah. people, you know, it gives them recognition, gives them validity. Yeah. You know, I remember, I, I, I wish I could remember this this one movie I saw one time. It it really nailed it. It was It actually took place somewhere in Europe and it was about this really wealthy person that said, you know what? I'm going to make 'Cause in like in Paris and there's along the, the, the river there there there's there's a lot of artists yeah, yeah, yeah. out there, painting. right? The yeah, painting yeah, yeah. And, and, and he goes, I'm gonna take an artist, I'm gonna make him famous. I'm gonna show you how to do it. And he walked all along the, the boardwalk and he found this one guy who was exceptional artist and he goes, Come with me, I'm gonna make you into this famous and it was the story about this guy, it was a real story. It was about this guy making this street artist into how, this how you market it. How do you market it? And basically it was like, you know, uh, it came down to him putting a lot of money and showing, give, creating the validity that this guy was a substantial artist in everybody else's. And so it, it, one of the combinations of this, one of the scenes, and it was the most powerful scene, Is like he has this, it's a hoity-toity party, right? Everybody with money and in his castle. And everybody's around drinking and celebrating, being in this party. And this guy in the middle of the party just like throws the glass down and gets everybody's attention. He goes, you know what? You guys don't know art from anything, and you know he went off on him. He said, "You think you you think you you know art? You guys don't know anything. The only reason why you're here is because I paid a million dollars for this, you know, and started cutting them up, you yeah. know, just fact. And it was just powerful. I was like, there you go. So, you
0: know, you come to a, a show like this, uh, and and you come as an artist." Uh, but we have exhibitors, we have media, we have all, and it seemed to me as I walked through the hallways, bigger has got to be better, mm-hmm. louder has got to be better. Uh, you know, you look at some of these drum displays. Oh, nice! It's, the it's bigger, a, the better. Yeah, the yeah, yeah.
1: More lights, the better.
0: Yeah. You know, and that seems to be our culture here in America.
1: It's, yeah, it's yeah yeah. Uh, uh, what's the word for it when they exaggerate? Uh, what is that word? Um, you know, exaggerates good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just oh, sensationalized. Yes, that's the word. Yes. if it's not sensationalized, then people, it doesn't draw any attention. People are so, you know, it's, it's this is a TV culture, yeah. right? It's TV and cinema and movies, and people are so used to, you know, it's, like, it's they're kind of numb unless something is just exploding in their face, so um, they don't, they don't, they don't, they can't appreciate the the delicacies, delicacies, and, and the refinement that they can in other places. This is a this is a it's, it's a loud, explosive culture. 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 So uh, you've played with Tito Puente,
0: Paul Horn, Escovito. We talked about this yesterday about luck, about timing, about talent. Yeah. And uh, all those things have to come together they have to be in a cohesive unit to come together to make you out there is that correct oh yeah yeah. absolutely so yeah so when you're not I mean when you're up on stage with Pete Escovito you have a great gig okay I've I've played with Pete Escovito that's on my website I've played with Tito Puente that's on my website but I'm just not getting the gigs you know I'm not getting the Woodstock gig. I'm not getting the Nam gig. I'm mm-hmm. not getting. You know, mm-hmm. is that ever way on your mind? Is that?
1: Uh, uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. It, yeah, you know, it's it's it it can be really daunting and, and discouraging. Um, because uh, I feel like I got the skills to play with anybody, sure. you know, and I could I can do the music justice. But it's all about uh, placement, timing, uh, and who you know. In this industry, it's definitely who you know, and uh, um, and being in the right place, right time. And you have to work at it. Oh, yeah, you have to work at it constantly. You know.
3: Yeah. Payout. I'm
4: gonna have to cancel uh, the Thursday gig. It's just not happening. Uh, So I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Why, 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 yeah? I wanna see, I wanna be, I wanna see, I wanna see some brighter days. I wanna see, I wanna be, I wanna see, I wanna see some brighter days. time after
2: In a small town in Florida in 1952, a reporter risks his life investigating a shocking murder case.
3: They'll kill you some night and put a gun
2: in your hand and pump a quart of whiskey down you before the coroner gets there. It's the true life story of a town with a secret in Ruby McCullum, next time on LA Theater
0: Works. LA Theater Works here on KRCB FM. You're listening to Percussion Discussion and a pre-recorded interview with Seattle-based percussionist Arturo Rodriguez. And uh, in this next segment, Arturo is going to talk about the energy one gets from playing with other musicians, practice time, and what music he himself listens to as an artist. In this uh, last set that you just heard, we heard Brighter Days by Al Rowe and Flamingo by Michael Shreve two artists that Arturo typically collaborates with. And so we continue with our interview with Arturo Rodriguez on percussion discussion.
1: That's okay to have goals. It's okay to have goals, but it doesn't have anything to do with reflection of, of, your, of anything else, really. I mean, music, really music, is, is something you spend your whole life developing. It doesn't matter how much you play or how often you play. You will always learn something. You will always get better at it, hopefully. And there's always room to, to grow, you know. So, you know, there's always going to be somebody lesser and greater than you. Always. That's a given. That's, that's a human phenomenon right there's always gonna be somebody like wow i wish i was and somebody like well you know i got more than you or whatever yeah. you know it's not about that it really isn't yeah. it really isn't you go to traditional culture and they're playing good music they got infants down you know hitting rocks or shaking shaking and they got the master drummers it's participatory Well, you know, it's when you get these people at these level that are playing. Most people can't see or even understand or even feel. You have to put the shoes on to understand it. And but we as artists can feel it because I I was telling you yesterday. You know uh, how if I'm playing music with somebody, there's an exchange of energy and, and literal energy. You can feel it, and I can sense when somebody is is having a negative day or off and it gets translated into the music you feel that now you get these musicians that are so well trained it's like these actors and actresses they can have a bad day somebody can die and they'll come in and you will never even see it because they know the game they're they're so trained that they can you know the show goes on and so for the for the for I don't want to say amateur but from the spectating point of view you will ne- you'll never be able to see it but from the artist's perspective and you feel it you yeah. feel of course yeah. nobody's going to play like me i don't care if i no. they, they nobody can play like anybody really it's all an individual thing and it's 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 how you're interpreting the music i mean it doesn't matter how t- uh, how much technique you have, how much music you know, you've been practicing. Ultimately, when you're playing with an individual, it's how you how you interpret the music together, and it's the chemistry, right? It's a relationship, um, and uh, it's it's. We talked a little, briefly a little bit about that. You know, the uh, the relationship. S- Sometimes, I mean, it's it's tough to. It doesn't always line up, and it doesn't have to do with. Um, level of musicians. I was talking to Carl Palazzo about this, because he was like, Carl's fanatic, it's about practicing. And I, you know, I call him, I just finished practicing 10 hours a day, so oh my God, you see, and, uh, and it's like, you know, I said, oh great, but he goes, and then I talked to him recently, he's like, I don't have, I don't do that anymore, I just practice here. I go, yeah, that's the way I do it too. You just practice right in here. You practice right in here, right in here. You know, everything's right here. You don't need to practice on a drum kit or on a percussion. It's all right here. So you just think about it. We're practicing all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm practicing all the time. I just don't play in a room and practice the sounds and the stuff like that, but I'm always practicing independence. But that, again, is our culture, I think.
0: Isn't that our culture? It is. I mean... It is. You know, and most teachers will tell you, oh, you got to practice. No matter what job it is, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be good. you got you got to practice. Well, you do got to practice. You know? Yeah. You do. But then you reach a point.
1: Well, you know... Okay, as an artist, right? As somebody who's being creative all the time? Yes. You're going to run out of inspiration. So practicing hopefully reignites that inspiration. Renews it. Renews that inspiration. So that's what the whole thing for practicing. Yeah. Is to take your artistic ideas to a different level, maybe. What do you listen to on your off time? Uh... Right now, I'm listening to all the celebrate world music because there's so yeah, much yeah. that I gotta learn. But um, my my the music that I really like, I like really sophisticated music. Um, I mean, I like to think I like it. You know, it's dance that's really rhythmically and melodically intricate. Uh, so there's um, there's a couple of piano players that are my favorite piano players. One is this guy from Spain named Chano Dominguez, and. Uh, I got turned on to him by a real good friend of mine. We used to do duets together. He was part of this Latin jazz orchestra in Tucson. His name is Amilcar Guevara. Amazing piano player. Uh, Really, really gifted. And I I find out he's a percussionist, too. too. He's from Guatemala. And he used to play with his dad. He grew up playing marimbas, because that's what they play in Guatemala. And he used to do ceremonies, these five-octave marimbas, traveling through the village and then playing ceremonies. That's what he grew up as. So he said, he's a drummer. Oh, yeah, so a yeah. great time. Oh, my God. Great melodic ideas. And, you know, so we used to sit about, talk about music and theory and all this stuff. And so I asked him, I said, well, who are your favorite? You know, piano players. He goes, Chano Dominguez. I was like, Really? So I went right away and grabbed an album. And as soon as I grabbed his album, I got all of them. Really? Oh, amazing. He's from Spain, just virtual. So he's a piano player, real uh, uh, ahead of his time, you know, just his arrangements and ideas. He takes all the flamenco, Spanish uh, rhythms and ideas and incorporates them into a modern jazz Mm
2: -hmm.
1: way of playing. Plus, he's an incredible piano player. His independence is nuts. Nuts So um, So you listen to So Chano Dominguez I like the uh, Caribbean Jazz Project Yeah That's a great Great project With, with Dave uh, Samuels Yeah, yeah. Uh, re- I love all that stuff You know Taking the, the jazz tunes And adding This twisted Yeah Oh, uh, In fact One of my favorite Versions of Caravan My all time favorite ver- Is that one The one he oh. does It's so twisted I was like Oh my god I, I love things that are rhythmically based, pr- pretty much, you know. Um, so Cuban, Brazilian are huge on the list. Yeah, for sure. Anything like that. But honestly, if it, if it's if it's good music, it doesn't matter. If it feels good and it moves you, I, the style doesn't matter. It's the quality of the music being produced and played. That's to me is the most exciting thing. And you can I can I can I can feel. Uh, uh, exhilarated by many different styles, it's all about who I'm playing with and the chemistry behind it. Um, I was telling you about this guy, Al Rowe, that I was—I really enjoy playing with this guy. He's amazing. He's like, like this diamond in the rough, um, and uh, if he gets what he needs, he's gonna explode. Um, and, uh, you know, we just play in small venues, you know, but it's always a packed house. You know, people trying to get in this place, outside the window looking at it, and It's fun and it's music that I, you know, it's, 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 uh, he's a third generation blues guitar player. He sounds like this fusion between Jimi Hendrix meets George Benson meets Seal. And he's an incredible guitarist. Uh, I mean, a real virtuoso guitarist. His, His arrangements are fresh. They're really original and it's, it's fun. And he's, and he's a perfectionist.
0: You're listening to a Percussion Discussion on KRCB-FM, Windsor, Santa Rosa. It's 11 o'clock. And this KRCB reminder, the National MS Society is a collective of passionate individuals who want to do something about multiple sclerosis now. You can help by joining Walk MS in Santa Rosa to support local programs, services, and cutting-edge research. When you participate in Walk MS, the funds you raise give hope to more than seven thousand people living with ms in our community this year's walk ms is at santa rosa's maria carrillo high school on sunday april 21st beginning at 9 o'clock a.m registration and information is available at walk msnorcal.org or 1-800-344-4867 you're listening to a uh, in in <laughs> pre-recorded interview with Seattle-based and fabulous musician and percussionist Arturo Rodriguez, and in that last segment uh, we just heard two of uh, Arturo's favorite artists. One, the last one was Leif Todasek, and before that we had Chano Dominguez on piano. In this ne- next segment, uh, Arturo gives a brief description of his drum kit setup who his dream gig would be with and he describes a bembe ceremony that he attended
1: I like my kit I have a kit that I that I have it's a percussion kit and I like it because it really bridges the gap between the drum kit world and the hand drum world and it's and it's comprises of uh, a cajon drum which is uh, is my one of my favorite drum instruments because it's portable it's light first of all (laughs) You know, um, it, it's real versatile in the sound. I mean, I have low end and I have the, the high end, the crack high end that you need to simulate a, a snare, yeah. and it really, um, so I that's the I can simulate a, a, a drum kit with that, and then I can fill in with percussion, and then I play with my feet too. So then I can it, it's you know, people don't miss it, and it's really unique. You know, not a lot of people play that. You know, right. so. I'm always trying to bridge the gap to, or do something that's different, something that's unique, that, uh, that uh, you know, because there's so much out there already. You know, it's like okay, what can I do that's different? And I, I didn't really make a conscious thought of that, but it just kind of evolved that way. I just said, well, I need something that has a drum kit feel. Wow, this is great! And I mean, and then I play percussion, and then in the percussion where I can do all this other sounds and and fill in, you know, melodically, you know, behind it. And so it just kind of naturally evolved that way. What would be your dream gig? Who would be
0: on your dream gig? Oh my god! With you, dream gig. You're you're the percussionist, uh, and let's not limit it. You could have other percussionists, but. who who would you really like to play with? Who
1: would be in the band? Wow, that's wow. That's a huge. That's a huge one. Um, uh, not necessarily people who you might not even know. Because, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a there's a gentleman up in Seattle. He's one of my favorite guitar players. His name is Leif Todasek. You mentioned him I, yesterday. Yeah, I really enjoy playing with him. He's very versatile. Um, he can play everything from Jimi Hendrix to you know West African soukous and all this Haitian music and Brazilian music and jazz and blues. And he has great rhythm, great timing. And he calls himself a rumbero. You know, meaning that he can he can take the essence and then move it and and, and evolve it and change it, which is ultimately what what he's trying to apply. What uh, uh, uh People who play Roomba, 99. it's it's taking a form and then improv, improvise in and and around it, and he's he's really good at that. He has great time. We do duets, and you know most of the people who see it are like they're amazed. It's like wow, two people. I can't believe how much music is coming out of two individuals. So there's that project I was telling you about, Kanan, which is with him, myself. Um, uh, Christy Phillips, her stage name is Azula, and she's an amazing vocalist, and and Terry Garrett, and we have this really interesting quartet. We do. They call it. She. We call it Electric World Soul. And what's Terry on? Terry plays. Um, Clarinet, saxophone, and this really sexy bass clarinet. I've never seen it before until I met her, and it's it's like it's kind of it kind of looks like a, 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 a berry sax, but it's ebony with this beautiful uh, 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 silver bell on it, and it's just gorgeous and it sounds nice. So you know they were originally wanted to get a bass player, and I was like, no, don't get a bass player. Let's have her do the bass lines and and take that role, and it'll be really unique and different. And we won't have another mouth to feed, you know. It's it's a sharing of energy. I'll I'll give you one experience. When I went to Cuba with my dad in 87, um, uh, we got hooked up with a guy named uh, Gregorio. Goyo was his nickname, Gregorio Hernandez. He was the director of of the... National group group of Cuba, right? A touring group. They were demonstrating all the traditional Afro-Cuban music around the world, right? And he was really good friends with my dad. He goes, hey, you guys want to go out to a bembe with me? And uh, I've already done a lot of bembe's. Bembe's is a traditional Afro-Cuban ceremony, right? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So we went all the way out to the country. And I remember walking, and all of a sudden, I can feel the air, like... You know, it's it was humid, right? So it's humid. You know, you notice it's humid when there's there's already density in the air when it's humid. But I could feel something. Ch- I was walking. I could feel something change, and I thought, oh, in my head, I thought, oh, this is just humidity. So I didn't really think about it until after the whole thing in retrospect. But uh, we got to the bembe. I can hear the drums be 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 doing the thing in the back, and people singing, and and so my dad and Goyo were going to go to the kitchen that way, and I said, well, I'm going to go to the backyard because that's where the music is. So I went out to the back and. All of a sudden everybody is is dancing and there's at least 200 people dancing, right? And the drummers are drumming. So, you know, I don't know anybody there. So I'm kind of shy, I go all the way to the back and I'm watching, I'm watching people dance, and I'm looking at their steps, and I'm trying to like, okay. Once I got the step in my mind, okay, I got this. And I started dancing, as soon as I stepped into that into that into that row, all the hair all over my whole body just stood up like a magnet. You know, you ever seen you ever seen um, with the electrostatic, yeah, you know, static, static, like, static, your hair stands up. Yeah. It was exactly like that. My hair went whoa all over my neck, my body. I was, I was like, oh my god, and I jumped out, and it was like like this, and. A woman, and this was, this was 200 people dancing, right? They're not looking at me. They're all dancing in front of the drums. And it's probably uh, 10 deep with 20 people like that, right? And a woman way in the corner turned around like this. As soon as I jumped in, I was going like this. She turned on she was going like this. <laughs> she felt me go into the circle and jump out. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's that experience is the experience that I'm trying to get people to experience. It's like when I say religious, that's what it's all about. And so have you ever felt that that not maybe not to that degree, but felt that on a gig? With other people? Mm, not to that degree, but yes, and that's what every single musician. In fact, I talked to Carl Parasso about that. That's what all we all try to achieve. That yeah. you try to achieve that epiphany, that a moment where the music you're actually you're not even you're not it's it's doing it itself. You're yeah, looking you're back. You're not going, even thinking. You're not even thinking. It's just like whoa, what's going on here? It's yeah. just it's it's being pulled out of you. And does it sometimes come in segments? It, not all the time.
0: Maybe a particular song, maybe a particular groove, but it doesn't
1: sustain itself for the entire gig. So, the the, 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 the point was at the, of the telling you about the religious thing is that, at that moment, I, I came to an epiphany. You know, it's like, wow. So, when you say spiritual, this is what it's all about. It's connecting, and I use the battery concept. I say, we're all batteries, you know? We're electrochemical, from a physiological standpoint, which I know, we produce charge. We got electric, ele- you can put electrodes on us and measure charge we're batteries we're really batteries so ancient culture knows how to harness the energy how do you do it you put batteries in series right you take if you could put batteries in series and how do you do that well through music through dance all of a sudden all these batteries are moving together all these batteries are moving together the energy goes whoo and it becomes greater than any individual battery. And then you got that energy and you can do many things with it. You can do internal work, you can do external work. Maybe even open up other dimensions and doorways. So that phenomenon to create that on stage is hard. Everybody has to be at the same place at the same time. And everybody has to have had a good day going into it. You have to come with a real clear vessel. The vessel has to be clear. You have to be open, and you, you have to be open. You can't be consumed by yourself. And it's not
0: dictated by the crowd necessarily, or the location necessarily. It's only dictated by the music, right? By the by the power,
1: right? Right. Right. And proximity has a and lot to do, do with it. Do you ever feel sorry for people who never feel that? Um, I don't feel sorry for them. I'm excited to, that that exists, and I want people to experience it. And I know that, so that's one of the things that I do. And and when I teach drums and percussion, it's like I, I'll explain the story and I'll explain this that this is the this. It can happen. It can happen. And we're gonna try to achieve that. No guarantees that it's gonna happen, but if you do, once you experience it, it's it's uplifting. It's it's amazing. It's very powerful.
2: Thank you Travel with me round coastal communities on the Thistle and Shamrock to hear acoustic music and taste the full flavours of spring. Mm.
0: Whistle and Shamrock here on KRCB-FM, Windsor-Santa Rosa, 12 noon on Saturday. You're listening to Percussion Discussion with Jim Laveroni here on your North Bay Public Media Connection, KRCB-FM. And uh, we're going to finish up this uh, wonderful, wonderful interview that we've had with Arturo Rodriguez. Uh, For the last half hour of the show, we're going to hear some Uh, This next segment, we end with Arturo describing the jazz ambassadors, uh, describing a quote from his particular web page. And you can find that online, Arturo Rodriguez. And uh, a few final thoughts. And then in the final half hour after Arturo makes his comments, we're going to play some uh, world music, celebrate world music cuts, uh, maybe get to uh, Leif. Again, Leif Todasek, uh, Al Rowe will join us uh, on a couple of songs, and we'll finish out the show on that note. So uh, keep listening here, and uh, we'll end with Arturo giving his thoughts and his opinions on some other things here.
1: I'll tell you that I, uh, about the New York experience and going. They have a thing in, in, the, in the country called... Uh, and this is where the, the, the name Rhythm Ambassadors came up. It's called Jazz Ambassadors. Oh, you oh yeah, You've yeah, yeah. heard of yeah, Jazz Ambassadors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah It's, yeah. it's the, the, they, they hire six um, groups to tour around the world representing American jazz music. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a tip uh, about six years ago that the theme was Latin music. So I put together a Latin combo. And um, there was 123 groups or 126 groups that uh, sent in material and 23 groups got selected to audition we were the only group from the west coast that get selected really? the only group well, what would you send them video or a uh, audio or audio yeah audio oh great and uh, they selected us so we went to New York and uh, to audition for this you know jazz ambassadors things. and I remember walking upstairs going god I own all his albums oh my god I got his albums too oh she were in trouble <laughs> but I, this was also bridges the other thing that I was going to bring we did a great job man. I mean we auditioned in front of like it was like the panel was like all the best of the best it was like oh my god I mean the stress level was like you know we we did good you know but the people that got selected they selected six groups out of the 23 none of the other people that, I, that were my idols none of them got they picked the most avant-garde projects quartets they were all quartets like french horn trumpet violin and bass I was like what? if I knew that I would have put together something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. but Kanan is kind of bridging that gap Kanan is like it has that real avant-garde yeah, instrumentation yeah, yeah. yeah so so you were excited about this thing with Dan and uh, March is it March
0: that you guys are yeah in?
1: March 24th Sunday March 24th 2 to 4 celebrate world music 8 composers doing um, uh, everything from Middle Eastern music belly dancing music Spanish music Irish music uh uh, Cuban music, West African music, and I don't know what some of the other projects are. And but you're, you're playing... I'm, I'm playing four projects.
0: Oh, and so you're playing all your instruments.
1: Well, no, the Spanish flamenco stuff, I'm doing cajon. Uh, on, the, on the West African piece, I'm playing djembe, talking drum, and shekere. Um, and then on the Cuban piece, I think I'll be playing congas maybe, or timbales, or huido, or both, or all three. And, and, then, uh, and then the Irish piece, I'm going to play a uh, balron.
0: On your webpage, you say that music is an opportunity for people to learn to work together. Playing music within a group is a lesson in social awareness a collective consciousness ultimately the goal is to give of oneself to be as one with the music and the musicians mm-hmm. and by that you mean that you're are you imparting this uh, gift are you imparting the feeling of being able to play music what are you imparting when you are one with the audience
1: one with the other musicians. What do you impart to people watching you? Uh, the experience of working together. Um, yeah, the experience of working together and feeling the energy that comes out of a, co- a cooperative cooperation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. You know, it all comes down to the experience, the Bembe experience I told you about in Cuba. You know, feeling the energy and the power behind that and wanting people to really experience that. And the only way to take that up to that level, it really is that, one, as an individual, you have to do your work. As a, as, a, as a as a as a as an expressionist, as a drummer as an expressionist of art you have to do your work then you come to the table and you are with these other individuals that have hopefully have done their work too and then you bring it together you know and you can only take it as high level as you can with the the, the with everybody who has done their work sort of right. wherever everybody is at whatever level they're at right. that's 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 you know that's only the level you can take it's not it. gonna be. Always not, the same level. No, it's not going to always be the same level. But people—that's why you always try to be around people who are better than you, yeah. or more knowledgeable, or more experienced, because they'll help facilitate that. And so, I like to think that I help people facilitate that, and get to that place where they can experience that. I—I yeah. I think my 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 definite calling is education, and I love I love bringing. Um, music and percussion and drums making it accessible to kids because that's the next generation and we really need you know we really need to inject the school systems with music there's so many things that can be learned the development side of it and uh, the social side of it it is just uh, so many components of music that are of value and Actually, you know, cultures around the world that know that they make sure that music and art are a part of that because it takes more than just the intellect. You have to exercise the creative, and then the two together creates this, you know, well-balanced individual. Are you are you happy being a musician? Can you huh. picture yourself doing anything else? Oh no, no, I love it. It's my it's my calling. What I love, it. I love playing music. I. Uh, It just, it hits me in the deepest areas of my soul.
4: In front of that train. Lord, to take me. To take me the hell away from him. Take me from this uh, lonesome town. Well, it's too bad. It's too bad to be Put me down. Burning me, Tears are burning me in my eyes. Wait out, wait out in my soul. Tears are burning me in, in my soul. <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> So I'm gonna do it.
0: that is just about the most beautiful piece of music i've heard in a long long time and that is from the cd celebrate world music and arturo rodriguez was on that particular cut Uh, i believe it's called tributum i hope i'm pronouncing that right but that brings us to the end of our show and our interview with arturo rodriguez this evening my thanks to arturo For his candid and entertaining and charming interview. Thanks also to Nan Avant, who made the connection between myself and Arturo. And actually was the creator and composer of that last piece that you just heard. I've never met Nan, but uh, I have been in um, email contact with her and received the CD. And through her, made the connection with Arturo. And I hope to meet her soon in the future, and perhaps even do an interview with her. Just a marvelous, marvelous and gifted uh, composer herself. Thanks as well to the staff at NAMM, who provided a venue for the interview with Arturo to take place. And thanks to you, the listeners. I hope you enjoyed yourself and enjoyed the interview with Arturo Rodriguez. Hope to get that podcast and up soon. We'll talk to the engineer about that. And remember, if you've got something important you want to say, you're never going to find a superior way. You've got to say it with percussion. End of discussion. Stay on the sunny side of the street, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.
3: wonder what tomorrow will bring Maybe a downhill Somebody plays At the end of the line. The Purple Haze You damn
0: North Bay Public Media, KRCB, FM, Windsor, Santa Rosa, news, arts, ideas, where you are. On the air at 91.1 and 90.9, streaming worldwide at krcb.org. Also find us on Comcast channels 961 and 202. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! on your North Bay Public Media Connection.